0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Doesn't feel like Christmas. Just doesn't. I don't know. I've heard people say that over the years, in different years, more than others. But this year for me, I don't know. I'm having trouble with it. It it might be that Christmas kind of came quick. There's only four Sundays, and that's a thing when you're pastoring your work every weekend and that kind of thing. I'm I'm happy to be here, really. Um, um, every Christmas, uh, just it's just just. And so that's the thing. And then then there's the whole thing of just, uh, it was August last week, and now it's December, right? And uh, I have to mow my grass tomorrow, so there's that. And the mosquitoes are bad. So it's just a weird year, right? And and there are just certain times when you feel out of sync with life, out of sync with the world, where you're just a, a, a especially aware of the ache of the year. And maybe that's why this year's Christmas message is a little different. It's a little strange. I have a bit of a reputation for strange Christmas messages, and this one won't disappoint. Um, we're going to tell the story of a guy who's being asked to sacrifice the child, their child. So, yep, child sacrifice for Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, but, but here's the deal. It's kind of a strange little story, and it's a story that uh, will surprise you because within it is hidden... The message of what Christmas is all about, and it's also a message filled with uh, the 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 hope for any of us who maybe are not just feeling disappointed with Christmas, but with life, who are just in general aware of the hurt, the pain, the the the, the struggle, the dissatisfaction of this life, and and it all comes back to the gift that Christmas is all about—the gift of God, which is actually the source of hope, love, and joy, and and those are the opposites of this feeling of of meaninglessness, discontent, and dissatisfaction. So let's go ahead and let me tell you the story, and then we'll look at part of the story. It's a story of this guy by the name of Abraham. So here at Jacob's Well, we've been looking at the first book of the Bible. It's the foundational book. It's called Genesis. And in this book, we are introduced to the great hero of the Bible. And spoiler alert, the great hero of the Bible is God. So, I mean, the Bible is actually a collection of little stories but it's all connected to one big story. It's the story of God, and that's the story that Christmas is all about. Well, in the book of Genesis, we learn some amazing things about this hero. We learn that he is not just a good God, but he is a God who defines good by his nature and character. So to be like him, to seek him, is to seek that which is good. And so when we are like him, we are doing what is called righteousness. When we're not like him, we are actually unrighteous. And there's a lot of unrighteousness or sin that's come into the world and has made the world gray and cloudy and foggy like it is today. And so, so there's, there's this reality that, that because sin has come to the world, we are separated. We're, we're far from God. But here's the deal. We learn also from the book of Genesis that at the very beginning of the story, God made a plan to bring us back. So he made this promise to the very first human beings. He said, from your seed or from your descendants or from your generation is going to come someone who is going to show you such meaning and he will bring you ultimate satisfaction. That he is the very gift from God. And the rest of the Bible is the story from one generation to a next generation to lead us to that one who is the fulfillment of the promise. Now, early in the book of Genesis, we we're introduced to a lot of different people, but one of the people we're interested to into is this guy by the name of Abraham. And God comes to Abraham, he says to Abraham, hey, this promise that I've made for humanity, it's going to come through you. And it's going to come through you and your wife, Sarah. And that was kind of a big stretch because he was 100, she was 90, not exactly fruitful. In fact, when they, you know, found out, they laughed, okay? Just imagine being 100 and finding out you're going to be a dad, 90, and you're going to find out you're doing a mom. Yeah, you all just smiled. Yeah. just And then they were terrified at the same time. So, so this is what happened to them. But of course, the miracle of God came and Isaac, their child, was born. And this child, the word Isaac means laughter. And it's a, it's a, a, a wonderful name that means something like delight or surprise or just awe are too good to be true. Well, of course, they loved Isaac. Well, one day, God comes to Abraham. And he is doing two things. One, he's doing a test, Abraham, which is another sermon for another day. But the bigger thing that I want us to see this Christmas Eve that he was doing was he was actually teaching us a lesson about what Christmas is all about. He was actually planting a prophecy in a story. He was making a prediction about what was going to happen through what he was about to ask Abraham to do. So he goes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I want you to do something, okay? I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love, very specific, that this is Isaac, this is the child you love, the son of the promise, the one I said, that, that the one ultimately who would be the fulfillment of all things will come, and I want you to bring him to the specific place that I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice him unto me. Wow. You see, here's the deal we don't really appreciate about Abraham. Abraham is at the front part of the Bible. We're at the back part, the front part, people don't know what God is like, and so Abraham's trying to figure it out. We've had hundreds and thousands of years of theology and thought and all that kind of stuff, but, but these guys are trying to figure out, this guy who's following Abraham saying, is God a cruel God? Is he an indifferent God? Is he a God who would ask me to sacrifice my children, and, and he's a vengeful, just wicked God? What is this God like? Because here's the deal. During the time of Abraham, that was a thing. But So here's the story. God has asked him to do this. So Abraham is going to do what God asked him to do, and they're going up to this mountain, and Abraham tries to do anything at all to try to Come up with another plan. He brings two servants, and no, that's not adequate. And and he's walking slow. But but in this journey to this place, it's a three-day journey we learn from the scriptures. Through the three-day journey, he passes through this this part of the low country that's right by the fields that eventually would be planted with wheat. Because right now, this part of the world is completely undeveloped. The the part of the world that that this story is told in is Israel. It's a narrow strip of land between a desert and between the sea. And it, it connects three continents it is a it is throughout history going to be a pathway for kingdoms and invasions and armies and some of the most profound things in history will happen in this little disputed part of the world but at this point it's just open it's undeveloped And so Abraham's walking along, and he comes to this one part where the wheat was going to be grown, and he would come to the place that eventually would become a town or a settlement where the wheat would be brought, and they would harvest it, and they would sell it, and they would would make the center of all their agriculture. It was this little town called the House of Bread, literally. It's pronounced in Hebrew, Bethlehem. And he would have walked past that. And, and as we see the place that he went, we know that he would go up to the high country. The high country in this undeveloped part of the world was, was the highest area. Every direction around, you went up to this high place. And this was a place that dominated the region, and, and it was a place where sacrifices were made. So Abraham is going up to this place that God has directed him. Now, the thing to understand about this high place is that many years later, this great city, would be built there by one of Abraham's descendants who comes through Isaac. Yeah, spoiler alert, he doesn't sacrifice Isaac, okay? So for those of you who hadn't looked at the Bible in a while, that did not that, that happen, okay? So here's the deal. So, so, so this great city is going to be built by David, and the city is called the city of peace. It has not lived up to its name. It's a promise of a future city of peace that's coming. See, all of these stories or prophecies about things that will happen. But this city of peace is going to be built from David. And and eventually, it's going to be a great city. So he goes up to this place that will be the city of peace. And and he goes to the place that will be outside the city. And he comes to the place where he's sacrificing. Now, on the way, this is a conversation he has with his son. So his son Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire of the wood. But where is the lamb? Notice it's got to be a lamb. For the burnt offering. So Isaac's not done. He's doing some math. He's saying, Food, fire, what are we going to sacrifice here? Okay? And so in this, we see other places in the scripture that express and explain this. Isaac comes to understand his role in this, and Isaac goes with it. And so Isaac, like Abraham, is going along in a place of faith. Now watch what Abraham happens. It said, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And so he, he said, God will provide it. And So what ends up happening? Abraham's going to sacrifice his son. Angel stops him. They look over there and listen now, they find a ram in the thicket whose horns are stuck in, in some trees. Now the ram is not the correct sacrifice. It's almost as if the story is saying, this is not the proper sacrifice, but one is coming who will be the proper lamb of God to be sacrificed. So so this is a story. Now now we get a little bit of insight into Abraham's thinking when we jump all the way to the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a book that explains tons of the things that are going on in the Old Testament and how they all point to Jesus, okay? And so this is what it says, that Abraham by faith when he was tested offered up his son Isaac who had received the promises. Again, the promises of God. What's the promise? That that the, the, the deliverer will come through you, that you will be a great nation, and, and that the, 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 the healing of the whole world will come through you. So Isaac received the promise and was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom he has said, through Isaac, your offspring will be named. And so he said, when he saw this, this is what Abraham was thinking. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so what Abraham saw in this is that if God asked him to do this, he can make the child come back to life. It was a belief in the resurrection before the resurrection. It was a belief that God had a plan to do what he said. He didn't understand how it was going to work. In fact, it looked like there's no way God could keep his promise, but he trusted God would. This is him understanding that one would come. We understand... That the fulfillment of this promise comes that from Abraham came Isaac. From Isaac comes this guy named Jacob, who we're going to talk about a lot after the first of the year. We're going to talk a lot about Jacob the manipulator and what we can learn from this incredible life. And then Jacob, by the way, has 12 sons. They become 12 tribes, and they become a great nation. They go into slavery. Moses comes, let my people go. Then they come, they settle the land. And then while they're in the land, there's judges, and then they want a king. And this king is a guy by the name of David, who establishes uh, um, Jerusalem, who's from the little town of Bethlehem. And so now the promise is coming from Adam, through Abraham, through Isaac, through the patriarchs, through King David... And the promise ultimately comes back to the person, Jesus Christ. So now, let's get to the Christmas story. Some of you are saying, finally, Christmas. I mean, so many of you came expecting angels and shepherds and wise men. Not so much this year at Jacob's Well. So let's just go ahead and look at this. The book of Christmas, the book of the story of Christmas, begins in Matthew with a genealogy. So why is there a genealogy here? Well, because these names connect all the dots All the little stories of the Old Testament come together in the one big story that leads to the coming of the promise, the coming of Jesus. And so watch this. This is the genealogy of the generations of Jesus Christ. Look at this. The son of David, okay, city of David, Jerusalem. The son of Abraham, who was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. And all 12 brothers. And so we see in this genealogy, him connecting the dots it's as if God is saying, listen, when I sent Abraham up onto that mountain, I was giving a picture, not of what he was going to ask Abraham to do, or what he was going to ask you or I to do, but what he was going to do himself, that God himself was going to send his son, his only son, whom he loved, Jesus, to die for you and me. To be the acceptable Lamb of God. So the story of Abraham is a foreshadowing, it's a prophecy. It's what theologians call a type of revelation that was hidden in the story of Abraham that became fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. It's in that most familiar verse that so many of us know that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. But have everlasting life. And so at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus being born where? Bethlehem, in the house of bread, he is the bread of God, he is from God, he is the fulfillment of that prophecy. We celebrate how he walked and taught and he taught and and so many prophecies, you can particularly see him in the book of of Matthew, um, were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and how he came, being born of a virgin and where he was born and the things that he said would have fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. That's one of the reasons I believe this book, that you could not have put the story together One author writing one story would have had trouble with this kind of masterpiece. But this is a book written by dozens and dozens of authors, and yet it all comes together and points clearly, crystal clearly, to the person, Jesus Christ, the fulfillment. We understand that Jesus walked and taught, and that the things he taught, when we understand them, they are are as relevant as they've ever been, and they would change us if we would let them sink into our hearts. We also understand that just like Abraham walked up, the mountain that would lead to Jerusalem, Jesus walked into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he was arrested. He was put on trial. He was led out of Jerusalem to the spot, I believe, the very spot that Abraham was led to. And he became the perfect sacrifice that Isaac could not have been, that the ram could not be, that any sacrifice could not be. And when Jesus gave up his life, He stepped in our place. He received the wrath of God in our place. He became the ultimate example of what it means to be a great human being, a person who believes in service and sacrifice. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we are redeemed. And so in the story of Abraham, we have this most beautiful testimony of the coming of Jesus. And so at Christmas... We celebrate the one born of Bethlehem who lived and taught who walked up to Jerusalem and gave his life for us. And so the rest of the Christmas story. So Joseph went up from Galilee. This is the familiar part of Christmas. From the town of Nazareth, so Joseph lived in the north, to Judah, to the city of David, which is in the south, which is called Bethlehem. Why did he go to Bethlehem? Because he was of the house and the lineage of David direct descendant from David, so he could fulfill the prophecy, to be registered with Mary, who also was a direct descendant of David, who, his, his, his uh, fiance basically, more, more than that, but betrothed, who was with child. And so they went down to Bethlehem. How was God going to get them from the north to the south? Well, the whole world went through this census where they were going to be taxed, so he had to go back to his hereditary home, the city of David, the city, called, the city where David's from, called Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. And Jesus was the fulfillment of all the anticipation, of all the stories of David, of all the stories of Moses, of all the stories of Abraham, of all the prophecies, of all the times they were in captivity in Babylon, of all those scary books at the end of the Old Testament that are prophecy and confusing. All of them find their fulfillment in the great hero of the Bible, Jesus Christ. And so he comes this Christmas season to show you God's heart. That God does not ask you to be the sacrifice. He doesn't ask any of your children the sacrifice. Although I bet next Wednesday, when they've been home for a couple days, some of you might be interested calling the church. Is that a sign-up thing, or do you just drop them off? No, it's just, we're not doing that. Because we don't need to. Because Jesus himself, Stepped into our humanity, and he became the perfect sacrifice. He was the only one who could be that because he was all God and all man. The fulfillment of prophecy, the perfect gift of God. So, what is our response? What are the steps we would take? We would simply do this. We would see the gift of the Son. We would just look to Jesus, and we would see that he is God, and so we would worship him. We would lift him up. We would put our faith and trust in who he is and what he's done in his life, his death, and his resurrection. We'd be in awe at God's incredible plan that this weekend the whole world is turning their hearts towards Christmas. And so many don't understand what it's all about. But we here today, we understand what it's all about. We understand that it's about the coming of God's promise. And we would receive that, God's gift to you, that the free gift of God is eternal life Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. And so this Christmas, I invite you to receive the gift of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your perfect plan. I thank you for all all these stories that seem to be just a collection of different people doing different things are actually related to one big story. The story of the Bible and the story of humanity. That there is a good God who is seeking to redeem his people. And he's done it through sending his son, Jesus Christ. And that when we put our faith and trust in him and what he has done in his death and resurrection, then we can have life. We can have forgiveness for our sins. We can have a fresh start. We can have not only help in this life now, but hope for the life ahead of us that is completely fulfilling and satisfying. Father, I would just pray for every person here, any person who maybe they just came because someone invited them, it was Christmas, so why not? But they are aware of this ache. They are aware of this longing that they need God. I would pray, Father, and invite anyone here who would like to, to let my words of prayer be your words, asking Christ to come in your life. Heavenly Father, I need you. I have missed the mark, I've dropped the ball, I've sinned. I feel the ache of this world, and I cannot find satisfaction in this world. So I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I put my faith and trust not in any sacrifice or gift I could give you, but in the sacrifice of Jesus and the gift he is to me. And so I ask you, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins, and help me to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We love you. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you sent your Son that we might have life. In Jesus' name, amen.